0: In your Bibles. You know, one of the things that you see in the book of Jonah is the missionary heart of God. Aren't you glad that our God loves people? And we as a church love people. Throughout the history of our church, we've tried to reach out into our community. And and uh, many of you know for years and years that we were able to have a bus ministry, and then COVID hit, and and, and all of these things stopped. And And uh, I had many people say, Preacher, we're going to have a bus ministry. And uh, my, my answer was, "When God when God tells us it's time... And so we know now that it's time. I've had folk come to me and say, Preacher, we're ready to run a bus route. And so the buses will begin running again here very soon. If you want to get involved in the bus ministry, you can see Brother Luke more. Brother Luke, stand up over there, would you please? Alright, Brother Luke Moore is going to be helping facilitate some of the bus teams. And uh, if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to give toward the bus ministry, you can put that on your offering as an other, a special offering. Other, uh, other put bus ministry and you can give toward that. And God's made, made a difference through many people's lives in our community through the bus ministry. Uh, it's going to be very local. And what I mean by that, our burden is to reach king. Pilot Mountain Shoals, these areas that are near our church. And so that's going to be our areas of focus. And uh, uh, if you say, well, I'd be willing to be a driver, a substitute driver, however, we'll be getting some information, there'll be some meetings about that as uh, this is getting back up and going again. We're excited about it, looking forward to seeing this happen. And uh, But what my burden was for us not to just say, well, when are we are going to have a bus ministry? My burden was when somebody was going to come and say, I want to run a bus route. And when God, I knew that was when God was moving and it was ready to start. It's one thing to be sentimental. It's something else to say, I want to make a difference. And I had a group of young people come to me and said, Preacher, we've been praying about this and why our buses weren't running. And one of them said, God said, well, why don't you do it? They said, okay, Lord, that's what we'll do. And so I got three young adult couples that said, we're going to restart the bus ministry. And I said, we're ready to get behind you. And so Brother Luke Moore and Miss Megan's going to be helping get that going. We're going to give them uh, all the resources necessary and help and encouragement. And we want you to be a part of that. If you'd like to, like I said, let us know. You can let Brother Luke Moore know. Call our office. Say, hey, I want to make myself available. And we'll uh, we'll get you a part of that, okay? And because we're going to need the help. And uh, we appreciate that so much. And uh, as we we begin to get this ministry back up and going, we're excited about what the Lord's going to do. Amen? All right then, Jonah chapter number 4. I trust you're in your Bible. Look if you would, verse number 6. Jonah chapter 4 verse 6. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. We know that was a large leafy plant that came up over the shelter that Jonah had made. He's setting out in the hot sun in Nineveh. He's angry. He's mad at what God has done. God's brought the greatest revival in the history of the world. An entire city got right with God. Jonah, mad, in a fit of a rage, goes out of the city, plops down on the hillside, hoping that, that somehow, some way, they weren't, that, that, that was just an emotional decision, it wasn't real, that, that they really didn't mean it, and God would destroy. And that, can you imagine that? that? That many times we leave a home, we've led somebody to Christ, and we're saying, boy, I, I'm really praying that I handle that right, that they pray, they really receive the Lord. That's our That wasn't Jonah. He said, I hope none of them received God. I hope all. I hope. I want God to destroy every one of them. That was his heart. He's mad. And he's sitting under the shade, and God God graciously allows a large leafy plant, made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow. Verse 6 a shade over his head to deliver him from his grief, his misery. It's hot. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm. He had, a, he had an education for Jonah. God prepared a worm and when the morning rose and the next day and it smote the gourd, it, it struck it, cut it off at the root so that it withered. It died as quickly as it grew. Verse 8, and it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind. Not just a east wind, but a vehement. It was ferocious. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. God, j- just kill me. That's what he's saying. God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And He said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Can you imagine lashing out at God? Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, the large leafy plant for which thou hast not labored. You didn't cause it to grow, Jonah. I did. Neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. It's just temporary, Jonah. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, where there are more than six score thousand per, 120,000 precious souls that cannot discern between their right hand. They're, they're not old enough to know their right hand from their left hand. And also, if I destroy the seed, think about the cattle and the waste, Jonah, that's going to take place, and also much cattle. What What a question. What a question. Jonah is an angry Christian. He is. God never varnishes over the sins of the saints, does He? He records their lives in Scripture, warts and all. We see them for who they are. We see them in their best moments and we see them in, their, in sometimes their even worse moments. We, we see Noah as a man who built an ark and saved his house and all the animals and a posterity. And then in chapter 9, he plants a vineyard and he gets drunk. He lays uncovered in his tent. Can you imagine that? Abraham, one of the, who called the friend of God, in a moment of crisis, fearing for his life, lied about his relationship to his wife. David, who would be a great giant slayer and a great king, a man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, would commit adultery and murder. Isn't that amazing? You know, you know, we realize that the people of the Bible are made out of the same stuff you and I are made out of. God never varnishes over the sins of our life. He never overlooks it. But aren't you glad He loves us warts and all? Isn't that a blessing? An eight-word message conquer the Ninevites. Eight-word message. Forty days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Forty days. Preached a message and and an entire city from the king on down to the poorest individual in the city covered in sackcloth and ashes, all of them get right with God in just a a moment of time. An entire city comes to God. And it's amazing, eight word message. But yet a stubborn, self-willed, self-centered, angry preacher was a different matter. God is still working in chapter 4 in the life of Jonah. You would think that Jonah would end in chapter number 3 with a great revival, great victory, a great testimony for God all the earth knowing that there's a God. Can you imagine that? But it didn't end that way. It ends with a pouting, angry prophet. He's an angry Christian. And you know what? If we're not careful, we can become angry Christians. is mad at God. If you're not careful, not only can we be mad at others, we can be mad at life, we can be mad at God. We looked at the cause of his anger. That we're in danger of becoming an angry Christian when we're more concerned with our way than we are God's way. Jonah was more concerned with what he wanted and what he had to say than what God had to say. And we saw that in our in our passage. We realize they're in danger of becoming an angry Christian when we're more concerned with our reputation than we are God's glory. I, I, Jonah, after the great revival, wished that God would kill him. He, he wanted to die. I've often wondered, why in the world would Jonah want to die after a great revival? And realized that Jonah was a famous prophet. Uh, Nineveh were the avowed enemies of the of the people of God, of Israel. And, and uh, I can imagine him going back and, and people asking, Jonah, where have you been? and what's happened? We've missed you, Jonah. Well, I've been down at Nineveh. What are you doing down there? They're the enemy. God sent me down there to preach. What did He tell you to preach? It was a message of judgment. Really? Well, good did God. Destroy them? No, God saved every one of them. Jonah, how in the world could you do something like that? Jonah, I thought you loved Israel. I thought that you loved your people. How in the world could you go down to Nineveh and preach and, and let God spare them instead of destroy them? And and Jonah lose his reputation as a, a great famous prophet in Israel. You see, I just want to remind you, the Jews didn't love everybody. They loved themselves. They didn't think God cared about anybody else but them. You know what? If we're not careful in 2023, we get the idea as Christians that we're the only one God loves. Can I tell you that God loves transgender people? God loves homosexuals. God loves people that's not the same color you are. God loves people that's not the same language that you speak. God loves people that don't live in America. You know, we get the idea, the only place God's working is America. We do. And, and I hear this from preachers all the time. Well, God's not doing much anymore. I tell you what, go to the Philippines. Head down to Africa. Go down to Central America. There is a revival going on in Cambodia right now. God's doing great things all over the world. Don't get tunnel vision and think that the only place God can work is in America. Can I tell you, God loves everybody. He has a missionary heart, and that's the kind of heart that we ought to have. We watch the evening news and we become angry. We do. We'll watch rights. We'll watch and hear people say things that, 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 that don't set well, or maybe they're not in, uh, they don't have our worldview, and, and we become angry at, at what they're doing to America. We become angry at people because they don't, uh, because of the attitudes that they have. We become angry uh, because of the, the political persuasions that they have. And, folks, can I, can I tell you, I, 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 I want to help you understand God loves a Democrat, too. I didn't get a lot of amens on that, but it's true. So been out of shape, can I tell you God's not political? He's not. God doesn't care who wins the national championship in basketball. He didn't even care who won the Super Bowl, did he, Brother Depp? Because if he did, the Eagles would have won, wouldn't they? (laughs) He would have made you happy as one of his preachers. One of our, our athletic directors, we were talking one day, and he was, we, he's one of our deacons, and he said, you know, a few years back, he was in, in our Christian school, and he said he was talking to one of, our, one of the other uh, athletic directors, and, you know, there was just a bad, bad attitude with a school that, that we had played before, and he, said, you know, and, and he said, you know, maybe the Lord will let us win. And, and, and the, the, other, the other fellow said, you know, God doesn't really care who wins. God cares about what people's attitude is on the court how we reflect Him as His people. That's what God cares about. God doesn't care about the World Series. God cares about people. I'm convinced one of the reasons that the the election didn't go the way everybody wanted to go the last go-around is because we had made a God out of the last president. He had become our Savior rather than Jesus. And you know what God said, I think, he was a, I think He did great things. But you know what God said? I read it this week. I'm reading through my personal devotions. and studying the book of Isaiah, He said, My glory will I not share with another. When you and I begin to glorify and look to somebody other than God, God will remove that from our lives. We're more concerned about ourselves than we are God. Our reputation, our good, our comfort rather than God's glory. How many times? And I'm going to confess, I got angry. At God. I said, God, how could you do this? Here was a man that moved the capital city of Israel to, the, to, the, to Jerusalem. Here was a man that had done more for the Jewish people than any president we had ever had. Here, here was somebody, God, that had done more for religious liberty than anybody I can remember in my lifetime since Ronald Reagan. I said, God, how in the world can you do something? I was angry at God. But you know what? God began to work in my heart and say, you know what? It's not about a man. It's about me. It's about where I'm at in your life. No man's going to save America. No man. No man's going to do that. God is the one who does those things. He may give us reprieves. We, 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 may, we may make good decisions as a nation and vote right and bring in some people with morality and, and, right and, and maybe even some with some righteousness in their life. But that is really not the answer to the root cause of America. The answer to the root cause of America's problem is the gospel. That's what the answer is. Oh, when we get that right. The cause of His anger... We talked about the cost of his anger. I'm going to move quickly. An uncultured anger always has a price. It destroyed his peace. He was exceedingly angry. You know, when there's anger in our lives and we're fuming, there's no peace in our hearts. It divides partnerships. In chapter 3, Jonah's working with God. Chapter 4, he's working against God. And God's having to chasten Jonah and divert our purpose. Jonah went out of the city. Whenever whenever a people people needed a preacher, it was after a revival. Somebody to to help a pagan nation that had come to know the God. Hey, could it have been? Could it have been? You realize a hundred years from now, a hundred years from now, From this point forward, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. They're going to have a great revival and then they're going to digress and they're going to go away from God and they're going to drift and go right back into the violence and the perversion and the paganism and the and the ugliness that was a part of that. You know, a wonder. I just wonder if if Jonah had a heart for Nineveh and he had stayed there and he had taught him about the God of Israel, maybe it had made a difference in that land. But you know what he didn't? He got mad that God saved some people that he didn't like, and he said, God, I'm, I'm done with that, and he left. And he walked out of the city. I wonder if he could have made a difference. I, I don't know. He had a what's best friend. It'll distort our perspective. He, he lost his perspective. He began to care more about a plant than he did people. If we're not careful. We care more about stuff or more about this or that than we do the things of God and people. You know, God wants everybody to be saved. Let me give you the cure for, for, for anger when we get angry at God. Let me give you some stuff that will help you. We get angry about life. Let me give it to you real quick tonight. Are you ready? God had a cure for Jonah's anger and He can cure ours. First of all, remember the goodness of God. Would you jot that down? Remember the goodness of God. Look over if you would please in verse number 2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? Didn't I tell you? I told you, God, when I was yet in my country, therefore I fled from, before unto Tarshish. That's why I ran to Tarshish, to the, to as far away as I could get from what your will and what you wanted for my life. For I knew that thou art a gracious God. I I know you're gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil that God, that that if they got right with you, that you would withhold judgment from their lives. I knew what kind of God you were. Did you notice that's past tense? Did you notice Jonah did not say, I know who you are? I knew. I knew. Jonah was so fixated on God's goodness for Nineveh, he had forgotten that God had been good to him. If we're not careful, we get so fixated on what doesn't go our way. We become so angry at what doesn't go our way that we forget that God has been good to us. I thought about this. When that storm came, he could have sunk that ship going to Tarshish, couldn't he? That Jonah was on. He could allow Jonah, when the sailors cast him in the sea, he could have let him drown. He could have let Jonah die in the fish's belly. He could have allowed the Ninevites, when he went there to preach, to skin him alive. He could have, but God didn't do that. God had protected Jonah all along the way, even when he didn't deserve it. Can I tell you that God is good in our lives even when you and I don't deserve His goodness. Isn't that true? Jonah was so focused on what was wrong in his life, he failed to see what was good. You know there's Christians... You're, 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 you're in despair and depressed and angry at life. You don't like the hands you've been dealt. There's young people. You don't like the family you're in. You feel like life's handed you a lemon. And if you're not careful, you, you see everything that's wrong with mom and dad. You never see what's right. You see everything wrong in your family. You never see what's right in your family. You see everything that's that's wrong. You never see what. If you're not careful, we can get so soured on life that we get we see everything that's wrong, but we never see what's good. You ever notice that? Can I? Can I? You know, Jonah failed to remember that every good thing in his life had come from God. I want you to jot down a verse, James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. We can become so fixated on what's wrong, we fail to see what is good and fail to remember God's goodness in our life that everything in our life, everything good in our life has come from the good hand of our God. Isn't God good tonight? He is. You want, you want to go from sad to glad? You want to, come from, you want to go from mad to glad? Let me tell you to do that. You remember the goodness of God. Secondly, I want you to recognize the patience of God. God wasn't just slow to anger and patient with the Ninevites. He was patient with Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go. No. I mean, he had a direct command from God. Can you imagine sticking your finger in the face of God and saying, God, I'm not going to do it. I don't care what you want, God. doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to do it. Go. No. He goes in the other direction. Runs from God. I want you to notice how God experienced... You know, I thought about that prodigal prophet. Let I, I, I me mean just tell you, you say, Preacher, what would you have done? I'd have zapped him. That's what I'd have done. I'd have said, buddy, you want to drown? There you go. But That's not how God responds, is it? Remember what He said? I know thee that thou art a gracious God, merciful and slow to anger. You ever wonder why God hadn't zapped us? Because He's patient. All through the book of Jonah, here's what I want you to notice. I hope you go back and read it and I want you to notice something. How patiently God dealt with His prophet. The sailors, the the, the ship, the sailors, the storm, the fish, the gourd, the worm, the wind. All of that was part of God's working in His life. You know, sometimes God allows the east winds to blow in our lives to get our attention to teach us lessons, to bring us back to Himself, to bring us into alignment. This the way He loves Jonah, warts and all. That's the way He loves you and me tonight. He loves us in spite of our failure. loves us in spite of when we become angry. He loves us in spite of when we get bad attitudes. Uh, listen, when we become a Jonah in life, I'm glad that God hasn't zapped me. But lovingly and patiently has brought me back to Himself. You know, we might have to spend a little bit of time in a whale's belly. you ever notice that? But God has a way of patiently getting our attention and restoring us to Himself. Aren't you glad He restores our soul? Amen. We've learned from Jonah. I loved it all the way back in chapter 3, verse 1. And the Word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad He's the God of the, of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance? And, and on and on he goes. God's good to us tonight. Amen. It's true. All the way to the end of the book of Jonah. God, come all the way to the end. All the way to the end and Jonah's angry, he's lashing out at God and he's mad at God for saving an entire I mean saving not just saving them physically but saving them spiritually from hell, bringing great revival and an awakening and among a pagan people who come to know the living and true God, turn them from idols to worship the true and the living God. And and, and, and God, and he's mad and he's angry and he's upset and here's here's God patiently pleading And caring for and loving Jonah. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the prodigal son. Here, the prodigal son went away from God, wasted his living, and I'm not going to preach it all because I'm going to be preaching through the parables of Luke coming up sometime in the next weeks ahead as we finish up the book of Ephesians. That's where we're going. I don't want to say too much. But you ever notice the parallel between Jonah and the prodigal son? The prodigal son leaves home, he's mad at his dad. I want what's mine. Waste it all. And then there's a day after he gets into the hog pen, he comes home. And there's the father waiting, loving, runs and greets him, kisses him, kisses him with the hog smell and, and, and all that all over him. Aren't you glad God takes us the way we are? Amen. And he kills a fatted calf. Throws a party. We don't really like to talk of it that way, but that's what it was. He threw a big party. He's excited. Father was his son. He'd been, he'd been feeding that calf, looking for the day, longing for the day. You know what? There's some parents. You're longing for the day that son or daughter comes back to God. Don't give up. Don't give up. That father never gave up. God's at work. Don't ever lose sight. You may not see it, but God's at work. Amen. And he brought him home. He comes home. And they throw the party. And then there was an elder brother you see that elder brother. I listened to Brother Delp's message and, and, uh, and, and, and he was talking about how that God loves sinners and, and how the Pharisees were mad at God because He loves sinners. Sort of the beginning of that parable. He sort of set the stage for, where I'm gonna, for what I'm going to preach on down the road. Tremendous job with that. And you come to the end of it. And you know what that elder brother was representing? He was representing the Pharisees that were mad at God because He loves sinners. John is not the prodigal son. He's the elder brother in chapter 4. Here, God's rejoicing in all of heaven's rejoicing in all of Nineveh's rejoicing because God spared them and they've gotten right and they know the true and the living God, and there's Jonah. He's standing out there sucking his thumb. He's mad. He don't want no part. He could have been down in Nineveh rejoicing and shouting and having a wonderful time. But instead, he's up there on the city mad and sulking and upset. You remember the father's going to come out in the prodigal story, in the parable of the prodigal son? He's going to come to that elder brother and he's going to plead with him. Son, shouldn't we rejoice? Your brother's dead and he was, he was alive again. He's lost and he's found. Shouldn't we rejoice? Why don't you come into the park? You're ever my son. I love you. I care about you. You're important to me. You're just as important. Well, never, you never killed a fatted calf for me, son. Everything I've got is yours. Can't we rejoice in, in what God's done here? Why does it always have to be about you? Translate that to Jonah. There's Jonah outside. And here's the father coming to a prodigal prophet and saying, I love you. Look at all I've done in your life. And you can't rejoice over what I've done over here in Nineveh. And I used you to do it, Jonah. Look at what I've done. You know what? Sometimes... God'll do something good in another church or in another place or a person's life, or maybe God'll bless another saint, and we get upset because God doesn't bless us. God, why didn't you let me have that? Why didn't you do that? You know sometimes why God can't bless us the way He wants to bless us, is because of the spirit and the attitude that we have. You know what the father did? He left the elder brother. In the prodigal son parable, he leaves him outside. He had a decision to make. You know where you find Jonah? You find him outside. And he's got a decision to make. Let's, let's pick up one more. But but you notice how that the father and the prodigal son's patient and loving and caring? And here's God patiently pleading with his prophet. Look, look what he said. You remember the, the gourd and came up and God blessed him, and then the worm. Smoke the gourd, it, it withers, then the east wind beats on him and Jonah wishes he had died. He's mad all over again, verse 9. He's as, he's as mad over the, the plant that died as, I mean, as he was glad when it came up. He's upset. God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? He said, I do well to be angry. Even Can you see that elder brother syndrome in Jonah? How, how it can get into us? God patiently pleading with him. Let me give you the last one. Respond to the love of God. Oh, remember the goodness of God. Recognize the patience of God in our lives. God could zap us, couldn't He? But He doesn't. Patiently, patiently works in our lives. And then respond to the love of God. Look verse 10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare it in Edith of that great city wherein are more than 6,000 score, score persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. You know what verses 10 and 11 do? They, they highlight the love and compassion of God on those who don't deserve it, including Jonah. That word pity means to have compassion. Jonah loved a plant. Jonah, you loved a plant that brought you shade. A plant you had nothing to do with and didn't deserve. A plant that lived and died in a night. It's temporary. It doesn't last. Shouldn't I have compassion on a city of people that I created in my own image? Unlike the plant that's temporary, they're eternal. They're going to last forever. They're going to live forever. Shouldn't I have cared about them, Jonah? Shouldn't I have loved them? How easily we get so fixated, so upset over the temporal things of life to the neglect of the eternal. I can hear God saying, Jonah, you love a plant, shouldn't I love the people of Nineveh? Yeah, God, but they don't deserve it. I can hear God saying to Jonah, but neither did you. They deserved wrath, God, so do you, Jonah. But I've given them mercy and I've given you mercy. God's love for Jonah is seen throughout the book. The storm, the fish, the plant, the worm, the wind... You say, preacher, how's that love where God let the vehement east wind and the sun beat? How's that love? Let me give it to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Whom the Lord chasteneth, he loveth, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know what? Only one one thing will change an angry spirit into a sweet spirit, and that's the Father's heart. Oh, when we're captured by His grace, consumed with His love. When the grace of God reigns in our lives, it'll crowd out the bitterness and the resentment and the anger, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. What's grace? That's love. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, you, and thereby many may be defiled, God's answer to our anger is His love. Well, preacher, you don't know how big the seat of hurt is in my life. You don't realize, I, I can say to you, you don't realize how big God's grace can be in your life. You know, His grace is greater than all of our sin, and His grace is greater than all of our hurts, isn't it? Remember the love of God. God loves you, cares about your life. Well, we're done. The book of Jonah ends with a question mark. We're left wondering, what did Jonah do? How did he respond did he respond to God and, 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 and respond to His love and get right? And, or, or did he live the rest of his life for the bitter fruit of his own anger? You know what I believe? I'll tell you what I believe. Say, preach. what do you believe? I believe Jonah responded to God's love. I do. I believe he wrote the story of his life warning you and me not to go down the path he went. You know, there's nothing like experience to tell you what not to do, isn't there? Not to allow the bitter fruit of anger to consume our lives. Let me ask you a question. Are you grumbling over the gourds of your life? The temporary things that don't matter? Are you an angry Christian? It'll cost you more than you want to pay. I want to challenge you not to remember the goodness of God in your life. Just look at how, God, how good God's been to you. Recognize His patience. God could easily just zap us, couldn't He? Take us out of here. But He doesn't. And respond to His love, not just for you, but for others. Aren't you glad God loves us tonight? Amen. Can I remind you, you're not a sinner in the hands of an angry God. You're a saint in the hand of a loving Heavenly Father who wants what's best for your life and wants you to respond to Him. Maybe tonight you need to respond to the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, take the message tonight, use it in our hearts and lives.